Why did you not swear, Scott? Uh, because this is a family-friendly program where we discuss... We're talking about drug doses. Steroids. How can it be a family-friendly program? Because everybody's on gear now. Hey, what's going on, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, as always, Dave and I are going to tackle your listener questions. If you guys have any questions for the next episode, comment below. We'll tackle them then. Plus, hey, uh, comments, likes, all that stuff, it helps to boost our programming and the algorithm. And if you are new here, then I encourage you to hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week. Tons of education from IPB pros and educators in our industry that are helping you to be better at this sport that we love. This week, we will talk about setting up your cycles from maintenance to bulk to maintenance to cut. Then how much muscle can you plan to gain per cycle? Adding just a little bit of ment, like just a pinch pinch of mint to your TRT. What else can I use besides DECA for a bulk? Test to primabolin ratio. Is my growth hormone real? How often should I take NPP plus a bunch more guys? Shout out to our awesome sponsors, truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings there and shout out to supplementsource.ca. Oh, and shout out to everybody on Patreon. I appreciate everybody who's helping to support the programming. I've got links to all that and a bunch more down below guys. Let's get to the program. It was actually a, a question on and basically putting your your plan together. It's from Chris. He says, when it comes to a diet phase, <coughs> do you prefer a special setup? Example being a bulk, then maintenance, then cut, then maintenance, then bulk, then maintenance, then prep cut, then longer maintenance, then bulk, etc. Would you just bulk and then cut and then bulk, etc.? Uh, does that not work as good? Uh, w- would it be different for enhanced versus natties? So we, let's take a guy who's planning on doing a contest prep you know, later in the year. He's bulking right now. H- how would that look? I think if you're assisted the requirement of a period of stability, um, particularly coming off an aggressive bulk is is definitely required. Yeah, it takes time for your body to accept new tissue as being permanent. Our body always fights to return back to where it was. So when you change your composition, be it more muscle mass or be it a loss of fat, there is a, a time. People have called it reset points and all sorts of fucking stupid terminology. But the bottom line is. There is just a period of time that your body needs to adjust to its new parameters, its, its new composition. Um, if you change direction too soon, then the body is going to really make a lot of effort to return back to where it was. So if you go straight off a, an aggressive bulk into a cut, your body is going to drop some tissue just because it's trying to go back to where it was. And vice versa, if you go straight from a bulk to a cut, your body's going to look to rebound back with some fat accumulation. Um, so it doesn't have to be an extended period, four weeks, six weeks, it's probably more than enough just to be consistent and allow everything to establish before you make a change. I would have said this is more prevalent in a user than it is in a natural, because with a natural, you're always within your natural capabilities. Whereas a user, you've used chemicals to go beyond that. Mm. 
and, and part of the, the change at the end of a bulk is the fact that you are most likely going to be reducing your chemical intake as well. So you've got two changes there. You've got a lack of chemical support and you've got your body trying to accept the new position it's in. So I would always, where possible, go for a period of stabilization. Um, it isn't always possible. Um, show seasons can be demanding. Show timings can be demanding. And sometimes you have a, you don't have a choice. And in that case, and it, I would say the transition just needs to be controlled. So rather from going from, say, a heavy bulk at 5,000 calories a day, waking up one morning and go, you know what, I'm going on a cut and starting at 2,000. Yeah. You're, you're progressive with the way you reduce your calories into your diet. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. You know, we're also to make a difference. If you are enhanced, do you go on to a, do you, do you stay on a TRT or cruise dose between your cycles? You know, if you come off completely, I feel like you are a lot more sensitive to losing mm-hmm. that muscle mass you gained, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, all these factors play into it, and obviously chemicals have a huge impact on it. But people tend to sometimes not always. I think people are very conscious on losing size when they come off cycle, which is why a lot of people struggle to come off cycle. Yeah, uh, and why we have this this growth of high level TRTs or high level cruisers. Yeah, because they're scared if they drop the dose significantly, they're going to lose the size they've gained. Absolutely. Uh, and, and though that can have an impact, the reality of it is if you're dropping size post-cycle, it wasn't size in the first place. You know, it, it was it was the drugs that were giving you that look rather than you having established and grown solid quality muscle tissue. Yeah. So, so some, it's, some it's not working. Um, you need to go back and review your training and review your diet and see what it is that's in there that's not yielding you results that you can maintain. Sure. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times I think, where, where do you think people's biggest mistake is there? I, I said the biggest mistake I see people make is that they're too aggressive with their changes. Yeah? <clears throat> yeah, and they'll, excuse me, they'll go from, like I say, a bulk into a cut. They'll go from no cardio into five sessions a fucking week, you know, twice a day, and they just, they're too aggressive with their changes. And it, it, it's... Take the time, make it a bit more gradual. Obviously, if you're 30 weeks out from a show, you've got a bulk and a cut together in that time, there's going to be some compromise. There's going to have to be to fit that time scale. It's as simple as that. Sure. Um, But, you know, just try and plan that you need time to establish what you've grown uh, and your body's going to work with you much better if you are progressive with how you change it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense, man. I think, you know, too, we have to look at what, it, if you're losing size, like you said, is it really muscle? I mean, how much muscle do you think? And we talked about this on another podcast, realistically, somebody who's using gear cycles after cycle, how much do you think is an average amount of real muscle that somebody would gain I, and I'm not saying like, you know, genetic elite, but just your average guy that, you know, listeners of our shows and they're running an average cycle of 700 or less tests, maybe another anabolic in there. They're running it for 12, 16 weeks. What would be expected to be able to hold on to? I know it's hard to say. I tend to go a little bit on the high side with this because I think people are too quick to 
to to to say that things are achievable. I like that. Uh, um, so it's it, it's a difficult one because there's so many influencing factors. But I would say if you're not coming out of a 12-week cycle, seven pounds of muscle, then I don't think you're running anywhere near where you should be in, in whatever it is you're doing. I don't mean more drugs. I mean if a diet's not where it needs to be or trading's not where it needs to be. But obviously, the more advanced you get, the less those gains are. Um, you're not going to see, in general, you're not going to see someone at the top of the game add 10, 15 pound of muscle in a year. Generally speaking, what you'll see is someone redistribute muscle around their body and refine it. Yeah, okay. Uh, it'll become more mature. You know, separation will become better. Shape and structure may become better, but that's more the polishing that happens when you're at the top of your game. But, I mean, we've seen plenty of top pros who were big boys go away and come back 12 months, um, you know, 18 months later and... and having hugely transformed their physiques with large amounts of muscle. Yeah, but that's not our average I mean, listener, though. No, I'm just saying, though. So, you know, when people say, oh, you can't put more than five, six pounds on a year, I just think that's bollocks. I think that's excuses made by people that don't want to do the work. Hmm. I like that. Well, yeah, I, you're I, saying don't limit yourself. Yeah, very much so. Well, you know, I, I do think that a 12-week cycle – Half a pound to three quarters of a pound a week of muscular gain is not unreasonable to to expect. Half a pound per week, so you're talking six weeks of muscle in in a <coughs> in a twelve week cycle. Which yeah, is, I mean, it, dude, fun. if you could do that and then repeat that and repeat that and repeat that, you're going to be huge. You know? Yeah, you're going to be. But I, I mean, I've just I've had a client this morning. He's just finished his cycle. It's a, a mild condition change, but nothing dramatic, and he's 20 kilos up. Yeah. And he's not a beginner. You know what I mean? This is his fifth, sixth cycle. So there is definitely potential to achieve a lot more than I think people realize, but that comes with a level of commitment that, that a lot of people, I wouldn't say they're, not, they're unwilling to do. I would just say it's possibly potentially impractical for them. Hmm. Impractical. You know, well, you think about it. You know, you're married. You've got kids. You've got a job. Yeah. You, you might work shifts. You might work weird hours. And you may just not. Your physique may not be worth to you. Yep. That level of dedication of time and sacrifice that it would take to achieve those goals on a regular basis. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's about your own personal life balance. Yeah, and I would I would definitely support someone who says, you know what, if I put six seven pound on a year, I'm happy because I'm not willing to put my kids, my wife, or other elements of my life to the side hmm. to be selfish enough to focus on this and progression. To yeah. me, that's a much more balanced individual. If you're not going to be making a living out of it, and heck, man, if you're, I mean, that's still respectable, honestly. I mean, if you're gaining six pounds a year. That's, you know, you're going on 25 pounds after four years. That's that's some good muscle. Real yeah, 25 for, pounds. For someone who's non-competitive, who just, just really does it because they like the way they look and they enjoy the training, and, you know, that, that, that I think is, is definitely viable without being overly intrusive in, into your life. But yeah. if you're willing to put other things on a back burner and be more focused, then the sky's the limit. It really is. Yeah. 
And I, I, I can't help but keep thinking about this guy I'm working with who has a lot of potential. Uh, and, and he's in a position where he can make this his living, uh, though he's not putting the work in right now. And the thing I have to remind myself is exactly what you're saying, man. Even though he's in a position where this could be real beneficial for him, uh, if he's not in a position to want to do it, I, as his coach, like I would love him to, but I can't, I can't make the guy, you know what I mean? And I, I can't fault him for it either. You know what I mean? It's like, even if, even if you say you want to make a lot of progress, if you're not making that progress, then you need to maybe stop and reevaluate what you really want and be honest with yourself. Cause I hear, I hear people all the time that are like, Oh man, I want to gain all this weight. I want to do all these things. I think you're making a great point here, Dave, because if you really do want those things, you can have them, but they are going to come at a cost. And is it worth that cost to you? That's, it sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah, very much so. It, it's everybody. You've proved it. Everybody can work harder. Yeah. You proved it's it. whether you actually really want to. What do you mean I proved it? You proved it with under construction, dude. You gained massive amounts of muscle at a big cost as well yeah and not just not just the health costs the the though my 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 family relationship is strong and, and never hasn't been it's only in conversations post those projects where my wife has expressed actually how impacting on her it was hmm um, and she was incredibly supportive and, and, and um, would, would support me again, I no doubt, if, as long as I wasn't risking my health sure. in, in doing something else. But the, the point was, I didn't see those costs because I was too focused on what I was doing. Yeah. And if you are going to really push hard, it will become all-consuming if you're going to give it everything you've got. Uh, and that's, that's a big cost considering the amount of people that do actually make it financially in this sport as a bodybuilder. And I'm not talking about as a coach because that's a completely different way of revenue. But as a bodybuilder, to actually make a living out of this sport is not easy. Let's face it. You did not do under construction to make a living at this. You wanted to know. You wanted. You had that, that drive, you know, and I think that that's, that's what you have to really – you have to have that. And, and maybe – Maybe if somebody's looking to grow muscle, split the difference. You know what I mean? You don't necessarily have to go in as far as Dave did. No, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's relative at the end of the day, isn't it? You know, it, it's, it's effectively going shopping. So I can go and I can buy a mini or I can buy um, BMW. Same difference. They're both BMW cars, Dave. They're both BMW cars. Well, this is my point. Let's okay. Let me finish. Okay. But their prices are vastly different. True. Depends on the mini, but yes. They perform essentially the same task. So it's like, is it important for me to drive in a car that probably has a little bit more badge prestige and therefore states that I have succeeded a little bit more? Um, or is it perfectly functional for me to just drive around in a, a, a cheaper car that does everything I want it to do, but doesn't cost me, which means I don't have the financial sacrifice in, in able to have that vehicle or run it. Yeah. 
You know, and it's it's you know nobody needs a Lamborghini, do they? Fuck. <laughs> they're shit to drive. They're uncomfortable as fuck. They're virtually impractical. They don't go anywhere. You know, they cost a fucking fortune to run and maintain and everything else. But it says that you've achieved a certain level of financial accomplishment in your life. Right. Um. Uh, but I mean, as a vehicle, it's it's fucking useless, really. I get I get your analogies. I get where you're going. Yeah. Here. You know. Right. So yeah, it's it, it's the same with we with being absolutely massive. It has very little use for anything else. <laughs> All right, I'll move on here. Let's see what else we've got. Um, what are your thoughts on running BPC 157 throughout the entire cycle? Since it increases healing, would it not be beneficial to run BPC to increase and speed up healing so that the muscles can grow faster and bigger? I'm understanding that steroids increase healing, but wouldn't BPC 157 be doing it through a different mechanism? What would be a good protocol? Love the show. Thanks, Neven. Wrong one. What do you mean? TV. What do you mean, though? TV. TV 500. Why? Not BPC. Because BPC is more tendon specific. So you're saying he should run TB 500 through his whole cycle and that, that would increase? I'm saying, if, I'm saying that out of those two peptides that we look at for repair and, and, and recovery, that the one that's going to do more benefit to muscular growth and recovery is TB 500. Okay. How impacting that would be on a cyclic level, I'm not sure. I've never known anyone do it. I really don't know. But out of the two peptides, TB is the one that you're looking for if you're wanting to improve muscular recovery, not BPC. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and if we're talking about inflammation, I mean, that's that's a whole other I mean, we need inflammation to some extent. I don't know enough about TB500, but training is an inflammatory process. We could take a lot of things to stop that inflammation, but we, to an extent, need that inflammation in order to get the muscle to grow. I don't know yes, that, inf that, inf that inflammation triggers growth factor release. So, yes, you do need inflammation to grow. Um, and that's one of the things about anti-inflammatory use having a negative impact on muscle growth because it, it disrupts that process of the inflammation, triggering release of PGF and MGF and everything else that comes with it. Um, I, I had to throw this one up here. Uh, Dave is a Rob, Reliant Robin man. Is that Robin Reliant? Is it the, the name of the car that you were born in? No, I wasn't born in it. I was transported to hospital <laughs> in it. But that's how you say it, right? Robin Reliant? Yeah, well, and Reliant is the mate, Robin is the model. Oh, okay. um, so, okay. you know, however you want to say it, that, I suppose it really matters as it's less saying it. Well, yeah, I suppose it is because you don't really say Mustang Ford, do you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you guys think of people who run TRT with five milligrams of mint a day? Uh, it seems to have a benefit unless it's just permablasting. I, we spoke about this before we went on air. Um, I do remember it's a couple of years since I looked at them, uh, some studies where they were looking at MENT as an alternative TRT protocol. Uh, and I believe it weighed out quite favorable. Um, uh -huh. I, I can't remember the dosing, 
but it would have been those sort of numbers. It was sort of five, seven mega day, I believe, or hmm. it was definitely low end anyway. It was very low. I think actually they were looking at about 25 mega a week. Okay. Um, uh, and they, they, they reported very good success with it. So it, yeah, I mean, it, from what I understand of it, and let's say it is dated and limited at this time. Um, yes, it is viable. Well, like anything, it's about dose management in reflection to blood levels. Yeah, I bet you we've had some people that have uh, that have experimented with using some dose of Trestalone uh, during their cruise phase. You know, I because I, 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 it, it, after those, everybody in bodybuilding was aware of those studies, and I think that a lot of people kind of had it in their head that they were going to do that. I would be curious to know if anybody has had experience with that. If they wanted to comment with that on the YouTube page. Uh, have you used mint as part of your TRT? Uh, I've always run DECA and EQ alongside a test, but lately DECA has been effing with my head and I always worry about the high blood pressure issues with EQ. Is there anything that you would recommend to run alongside test for bulking? Thanks lads. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Why did you not swear Scott? Uh, because this is a family-friendly program where we discuss. We're talking about drug steroids. doses. How can it be a family-friendly program? Because everybody's on gear now. Yeah, all right, fair enough. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you know it's Decca that's fucking with your head? I'm curious. I'm not saying it isn't, but one minute, I'm just curious as to how he's come to that conclusion is it because he's added the decker in and then had a problem i bet i would imagine um i mean it can do it, it, it's not beyond its realms yeah I've, I've, I've heard of i've definitely known of people having problems with decker that way before yeah but then i've known of people having problems with tests for that reason as well so uh alternative to decker yeah i suppose really you are looking at like eq aren't you um, it is it it is semi similar in how it behaves. Um, it's not going to be as good a bulking agent, and you are going to have to look at your bloods. He said though uh, that he gets headaches from it. Well, that's because his blood gets thick. I would suspect. Mm, okay. That that would be my assumption of that symptom is that you're getting headaches from EQ. Yeah. I know he says, I always worry. When did he say he gets headaches? There's no mention of headaches there at all, Scott. You're making shit up. Oh, I, I thought he did. Let, yeah, let me yeah, read that yeah. again. Let's see. EQ along with test, but lately. I've always run DECA or EQ along with test. Lately, DECA has been fucking with my head, and I always worry about high blood pressure with EQ. Oh, so he worries about it. Yeah. Uh... You saw Matt's comment. You got the cabbage out. Ladies and gentlemen, Christmas cabbage. Scott is busting out of that jacket. Is he bollocks? That's a small and it's buried. <laughs> um, I would have said that uh, I think EQO is viable. Um, you're just going to have to keep an eye on bloods. So you're not necessarily going to get high blood pressure with EQ. Keep some cardio in, you know, diet. well. Diet. Yeah. Uh, and it can be run without any issues with BP, but you will need to just keep a 
blood thickness doesn't always correlate to the high BP. Yeah. You know, it is very individually based. So, uh, oh, James is with us. He said, I never touched, uh, I never touched DECA for a year. Then last year it went to 600 milligrams and, uh, that's when my head started to go. Okay. Have you considered running a lower dose in a combination? 600 is a hefty dose, you know. It's a reasonable dose. I mean, you could go 300 deca, 300, 400 mass, 300, yeah. 400 test, depending on what your total dosing is going to be like. I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't mind that. I, I, I find I, I, I will always stand by testing deca for all our bulking. Uh, but if you want to go a little bit more on the leaner side, I do think test deca and mass works really, really well. You know, I, you run into this after you've been bodybuilding for a while. You're like, I've done test DECA. I've done test EQ. I'm going back into an off cycle. What am I going to do next? Uh, I tried using uh, DHB in an off cycle once. And I felt like it was EQ-like. Hmm. You know, you stayed lean. I got strong. The thing is... I- as well, I think we get where we think, well, I have to try something new. Yeah. And it's like, why? Yeah. You don't, yeah. I, I ran tested Decker for pretty much every fucking cycle I ever did. Yeah. Well, second time around. But you do, you get that in your head where you're like, yeah. And and we want to, we want to know. I think that's what it is. We're like, man, what if there's another combo that I'm not using, right? <laughs> yeah, what if- what if this is the secret? This is the magic potion that unlocks door A. Yeah. For me, it was uh, Test EQ NPP. <clears throat> I, I thought that of insulin and growth. You thought insulin and growth was going to be your... I thought that was going to be next level. Yeah, It wasn't, but I thought it was. Yeah. We should do a show about that one day. We've talked about it a, you know, a gazillion times. We could make that like our main topic. What about... Uh... What? Test it, your, you know, high dose, high dose of growth. Because we get asked that a lot. We talk about it a lot, but we could, I'm just throwing it out there. We could make it as a topic. My, my 27 IU a day. Yeah, it'd be a good conversation. Uh, <laughs> test E 400, NPP 350, Mast E 400, D-Ball 40. That's his cycle. What do you guys think? This is Dino. Yeah. The only thing I would be a little bit eh, is the D-ball. Why? D-ball's great, Dave. You like it. And I think, actually, if his mast is genuine, that cycle will better run with no AI and be very, very comfortable. Yeah. Until you have a D-ball, and then you're going to need an AI. Mm, I could see that. We did have a question about... So I'd go T-ball, but otherwise, yeah. Oh, T-ball. I could see that. How about this one then? Now that you're mentioning not needing an AI, last week we talked about uh, if you're running Primo and Mast with your test, you may find that your estrogen gets crushed and that kind of led to talking about using Primo or Masteron to control estrogen basically without needing an AI, as you just mentioned here. Uh, What would be a good ratio of test to Primo such that would not really require an AI and not have very low E. This is an educated guess. Um, and there are lots of factors that play into this, including your personal body fat level. Mm. 
because if you're a fat fuck like me, you convert to estrogen quite readily. Um, so that does play a huge impact in your estrogen levels is how much body fat you carry. Um, but I would go somewhere between a one-to-one or a up to a 1.5-to-one pre-motor test. So 1.5, did you say pre-motor test? So yeah, so 400-400 like... or 400 test, 600 pre-motor. Okay. I mean, between them two ranges would be where I would be would be looking at throwing my first pitch. Okay. And then I'd, I'd test at week five or six and see where I'm sitting and decide from there if I need to alter things or increase or lower. But obviously we are accepting that the Primo is Primo, that it right. goes correctly and everything else that comes with its bollocks, you know. Right. I mean, that's what makes it so difficult is you, you never fucking know. Yeah. Until you see your labs, right? But even then, it's not that clear cut. Yeah. As we discussed earlier on, we know people on 100 milligrams of test a week that sit at 25 mmol, and we know people on 300 mg a week that sit on 25 mmol. So there's a three times difference between their dosing to yeah. make the same results. So, I mean, that's probably an extreme example, but the, the, the thing is, it, it's, it is difficult. And though you get a feel for averages, there isn't really any hard and set fast rules. I mean, I've been trying to work out what does my testosterone today, so what does today's level of testosterone, at what point does that reflect in my estrogen? Huh, okay. How long after? Yeah. Is it three days, a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? You know, when when does today's level be reflected in my estrogen level? Yeah. Because it's definitely not a one-to-one. Your test level now, your estrogen doesn't affect your current test level. It affects your test level that's already passed. Yeah. Well, this is a long one. Ooh, that's too long. Pass, move on, move on. (laughs) He says he's a first-time GH user. He's been using gear for four years, 180 pounds when he started cycling four years ago. He's 230 pounds now. Good job, buddy. About 12% body fat. I'm in off season uh, telling you this because it's related to my story. He took four IUs of GH at bedtime for two weeks. Then he got bloods or bloods, as you would say in the UK, and took four IUs uh, before bed uh before what's it test before test as well as early that morning oh thank you my hrt doc says my gh should probably be around eight on four units it was 3.66 but my igf was incredibly high at almost 700 that's a big difference in those numbers which he thought was weird and my igf that uh high looks like it's over 10 units of farm grade growth, um, which it is only at four. He thought that maybe it's a peptide or something with maybe a little GH in it. My question is, is this normal? Because my fear of GH was fake, which seems to be a lot of things sold as GH. And what uh, you think this could have been? Pumps were insane, uh, hand numbness and couldn't close right fist thanks 
Right, so if I'm reading that right, he took eight IUs prior to his test, four in the morning and four one hour before the test. I'll bring it back up here. I think he was saying he took, let's see, took four IUs <laughs> one hour before test as, as well, well as early uh, that morning. That one, yeah. Oh, no, right. So he took four IUs bedtime and then four IUs again in the morning prior to the test. So basically, in a short time, he went. So he took, yeah, so he took eight IUs basically like before the test. Within a 12 hour period before the test. Yeah, exactly. So what his top thinks is that his GH might be a peptide. If it is, I want to know what the fuck that peptide is because... Get me some. That, yeah. Give me some of that. Yeah, definitely. No. Um, if it was a peptide, you wouldn't have such high IGF levels, without a doubt. Yeah. So I he think what you're seeing is the carryover from the night before as well as the morning compounding. Yeah, he said his GH levels were lower than expected, but... He took, here's the thing though, GH is only going to be in your system for so long. Basically, you take your oh, growth yeah. hormone, it converts through yep. a cascade, and eventually your IGF builds. Now, that IGF is going to stay high longer. So, IGF isn't is. something that just happens overnight. It's going to be no. the result of having taken <clears throat> the 4IU before bed for all that time and, and then dosing it up you know, a couple times before you took the test. I, I don't think this looks too weird to me. If you... Also, just, just throw the question back up a minute. I just want to check something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which part? Right. So it doesn't say whether he was fasted. I don't think that matters, because man. That's going to affect his GH levels. I, no, not if you're not if you're taking exogenous growth hormone. It shouldn't because if you're taking exogenous growth, it's there. Period. Yeah, but I thought the the if you have an insulin spike too close, it can actually counter and lower it, the GH. It won't lower it. It, it. Now, if you were using if you were using a if it was a peptide, it would. You know, because a a peptide is going to rely on your own natural production, and mm -hmm. uh, insulin would be working opposite. You know, it it, it would be like the yin to the yang. So if mm -hmm. your insulin is up, you're not going to produce growth hormone. But if you exogenously take, it's kind of like the same thing. If you exogenously took a thousand milligrams a test, uh, no matter what you took for, you know, like nothing's going to stop there from being that drug in your, your that drugs in your body. I, I don't know why, but I'm for some reason, I'm very much under the impression that, that if you raise insulin, um, it will speed up the metabolism of the GH. Uh, I don't know about that. Scott would know. He's probably no. not with us. Scott, are you still here? If he, he is, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it. I'm pretty sure that it won't. But the growth is only you know several hours. So the shot mm -hmm. he took the night before, I don't really see that as showing up on the test. You know. But I, I, having said all that, I don't think his growth is anything particularly funky. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it sounds to be fairly reasonable stuff. And I think he's probably just overthinking things a bit here. They do. People, it, it, it's not an exact science, but people do do testing 
on their growth hormone where they're, they'll take, I believe it's, you'd have to look on the boards, but I believe it's, they take 10 IUs, uh, IM, uh, I believe it's like two hours before testing, hmm. uh, irregardless of food. And I mean, he did that an hour, so he did that an hour before testing as well, which, which would potentially mean that his levels may still be elevating. Oh, an hour? Yeah, I don't know. But I would agree with you that it's not fake. No, I don't think it is. You're not going to get a number like 700 on fake, you know, fake growth or on a peptide. No. I don't care how much peptides mm -hmm. you're using. No, not at all. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, look at that. Somebody who was uh, <laughs> commenting on the cabbage. This is a... Uh, is a, oh, that's why the cabbage face is so round, the D-ball. Does he, uh, is he on some orals? We would undiscuss cabbage's cycles. Yeah, that's a good point. He might lose his sponsorship. All right, got a couple more. And I, I don't understand uh, this question. First of all, Andrew commented for the algorithm, which we appreciate. He says, I'm super sensitive to benzyl. What can I do about that? I don't see a way around it. Does that mean just like benzyl everything? Benzyl alcohol, I'm guessing, yeah. benzyl benzene? I'm, guess, I'm guessing he's meaning benzyl alcohol, but I don't either. Um, the only thing I can suggest is, one, is he sure it's benzyl? Um, does it happen with every single compound from every single lab? Uh, if it does, what is the effect? What is, what is happening? Um and would microdosing be a way of offsetting that or, or spreading? So I'm very sensitive to test. So when I've run tests at high doses, I've had to cite it at lots and lots of different sites at very low doses hmm. in order to get the volume in. <coughs> if I did a mil, I'd end up with a swelling. So I'd do half a mil, 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 all over. Okay. So that is a potential way around it, depending on what his reaction is. If his reaction is localized, he can get away with doing more shots over more surface area. If it's a more systematic, more system-wide reaction, where he feels like dog shit or whatever it may be, then he may have to rethink it in another way. Um, but I can't see a way around benzyl alcohol not being in your drug. Yeah. Because it is the standard manufacturing alcohol and there's also the benzo benzoate or whatever you call the, it benzo benzoate the uh solvent yeah yeah uh what about if it is if it is local i think you've got a good call you could also dilute it you know with sterile oil you could you could also look at sub q okay depending on what element of reaction you're having one more Actually, there's another question about bikini, which for you specifically, bikini competitors. I swear to God, uh, I'll ask you that one after this. Uh, mixed reviews all over the web in gyms. What is the least frequency of pinning NPP can be done? I've heard NPP will be pinned every other day. Yet the phenylpropanate, which is a longer ester, you can pin it twice per week. Uh, is my question or doesn't need basically how often you need to, to, to pin MPP? You can do it every third day. Yeah. 
So twice a week would work. It's, 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 I, 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 I wouldn't say if total dosage over a standard period of time is the same, I wouldn't say there's going to be a huge difference in, in results from EOD as against every third day. Okay. Just so you're going to be doing a slightly bit more every third day, that's all. Last one, then. you got to explain this to us, too. Uh, Kat says, could Dave please answer on the next podcast what he and the other judges look for in bikini trained? Is there someone that he could say has the perfect bikini trained athlete? Uh, am I, what, what is bikini trained? So in each of the classes, you have bikini, you have a figure, and then you have trained, you, well, you have physique. Um, so each of the bikini classes, the more they go towards train, the harder the look gets. Okay. So the muscle mass stays the same, but it's more the conditioning that changes. So the progression of a female would be bikini. And then it would be, if, you, if you're leaner, bikini trained. And then if you carry more muscle mass, you'd move up into figure. Then if, you, if, you, if you're leaner with that more muscle mass, you've moved into trained. And then if you're more heavier muscled again, you'd move into physique, effectively. Okay. Um, I can't give you an ideal. Uh, I do apologize. And the main reason I can't give you an ideal is I didn't go to the judges seminar. <laughs> are you, are you going to judge? Uh, I will be doing some shows. It's going to be a little bit different this year because we're providing first aid cover for the competitors, so uh, which is costing me a fucking fortune. Yeah, because um, yeah, we're we're bringing in paramedics for every show, and they're four hundred pound a day. Oh no, kidding! And then you got transport and accommodation and everything else that fucking goes with it. Um, plus all the kit we've had to buy and so defib oxygen, all that shit. Oh god. Anyway, that, that's me moaning about shit. I shouldn't be moaning about. Um, so the, the, the class you fit in from a point of view of figure uh, and bikini is based on muscularity, as in muscle mass. Sure. Within that individual class, whether you are the standard class or trained, is down to your condition. That makes sense. So a trained bikini is going to be a harder look than a bikini, but it's not going to be as hard as a figure trained. So there's a step back there as well. So as you go up the classes into figure and into physique, not only does the muscle mass increase, but the extreme end of that, i.e. the trained end of it, the condition gets more extreme. So let me ask you this. So there's bikini, bikini trained, figure, figure trained. Is mm -hmm. bikini trained harder or the same hardness as figure standard? No, it's probably a little bit harder, but it's less muscle mass. L harder than standard figure? Yes, but less muscle mass, but not quite as hard as figure trend. That's fucked up. So you've got two parameters you're looking at. You've got muscle mass and you've got condition. Yeah. As your muscle mass increase, you go up the class. Yep, right. As your condition as your condition gets tighter, you move within that class from the, the standard to the trained element. That's weird, dude. Do they have an untrained? That's my other question. Do they have bikini That's untrained? <laughs> if you're just untrained. 
Um, so what I would suggest, because I know I've not been much uh, help here, is, and I do apologize for that, um, is get in touch with Lisa Gelsey. Yes. Because she's head judge, and she knows the class criteria inside out because she wrote it. Oh. Um, and she will be able to give you a much more definitive answer than that. But that's the basic setup of how the classes work. Um, I'm sorry I can't be clearer, but unfortunately I don't want to say something that's not right, and having not attended the judges' seminar, um, what, I have what, missed some what information. The, which... Is this the PCA? No, this is FitEx. FitEx, okay. So I'm with you, Chase Irons. Trained classes, never heard of that. It's a it's a UK thing. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. And it, it's difficult because every Fed. So Ooh. like, PCA don't have a physique class, huh? So their physique girls, and it goes physique, and then it goes women's bodybuilding, but they don't have a physique class. So their physique girls have to either shoehorn, try and shoehorn into trained figure, and quite often, I mean, I put a girl in last year, and she was too hard and too big. Oh yeah. Because they just didn't have a class to suit her. And, and, and that's the problem as well. You've also got to look at, you know, certain federations may not offer a class that suits your physique. Yeah. I've got one on the feed here. GH uh, Numb Hands. He gets, he says uh, he can't even tolerate, uh, it looks like five units. How do people run 12? I think you start low. You start low, you work your way up, right? Very much so. All right. That's all we got time for, guys. Dave's a busy man. He's busy running both Eval and Famous Dave's Barbecue. Guys, if you're in the U.S., stop in at Famous Dave's. Uh, ask for Dave himself and use our code THINK. You'll get 20% off your barbecue ribs. And if you tell them that Scott McNally was the person that told you, and I will, if you message me, I'll give you his address and his cell number <laughs> so that the restaurant can take it up, Scott, directly as he will pay the 20% discount that you've been receiving. You don't have my my number, Dave. That's a burner phone. I only talk to you on burner phones. Don't try and cover up. I've got your number <laughs> and I've got your address. Fuck, I'm screwed. Uh, all right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Um, thank you, as always, for all your feedback. Uh, for real, if you are in the UK, you can go over to Eval, reach out to Dave over there, get some lab work done. And if you are in the US, check out truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Ask me any questions you like about the flavors and the proteins and stuff. Uh, Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. Pick yourself up a pack of Ephedrine. Are you worth it? You're worth it. You're totally worth it. You're totally worth some ephedrine. Dave, you're worth some ephedrine too. Can you tell when Scott's managed to do something new on the computer because it just keeps <laughs> fucking popping up on the screen every five bloody minutes? <laughs> and with that said, <laughs> it's back. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs>